you're listening to Q Marriage Mentors with Jeff Lutz, a podcast featuring conversations with remarkable lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender couples. What makes great relationships work? Jeff will ask the questions. You'll hear the answers. Together, we'll learn. Welcome back, everybody. Today, my guests are Mark Holtzbach and Dana Fries Hansen from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Mark is the founder and tour operator for Tiny World Tours, and Dana is the director and CEO of the Grand Rapids Art Museum. They've been together for 30 years, and today Dana started our conversation by sharing how he first met Mark. We met because we were both working in the same building at MIT. Um, it was the, called the Arts and Media Facility, um, Arts and Media Technology Facility, and I'm a art curator and now museum director, and so I was working in the, on the ground floor of the List Visual Arts Center there. So Mark was a graduate student there. Yes. And I, I sort of worked, we worked back and forth, and so as a curator I was interested in involving the um, different ideas about technology, so, sometimes, so I was looking to for someone to give a tour and met him. Um, he was he grew up in a very um, cultured household. Um, and so we got to know each other kind of as acquaintances. Yeah, the phone would ring and it would be Dana. Uh, it would be a general uh, a general office phone. And I sometimes I'd answer and, and Dana would say, is there anyone up there that could give a tour to a famous artist? And you know, I would always volunteer. And so I got used to doing that. Um, about... After I'd been there for um, three or four years, I got a call from one of my best friends, a woman, um, who I, was, I hadn't come out to many people. Um, and so she called me and she said, can I tell um, this mutual friend of ours that you're gay? She asked me if you're gay and she wants to fix you up with someone. And I was hadn't been in any good, serious relationship um, with a man. And so I said, well tell me more. So uh, I, she said, well, it's this guy named Mark Holtzbach and he works in the media lab and the, the, our mutual friend didn't like his current boyfriend. Um, and so she was trying to, <laughs> she was trying to, um, uh, to improve his life, um, I think. But um, anyway, and I said, oh my God, absolutely. I had no idea he was gay, but yes. So I had maybe a little crush on him. I had seen him in the, in the revolving door and I sort of followed him and, um, he's very good looking. And, um, so, uh, I said yes. And then sort of waited for things to happen and, um, nothing happened. And so it's kind of, it's like, because I didn't want to be too forward. Um, it was kind of, it reminds me of um, junior high school with kids passing notes and waiting for something to come back, yeah. and nothing came back. And then he disappeared. This was probably 1986. Now what happened there, Mark? Did you get the message? I did. I told my friend, I can't get into a relationship. I'm leaving for Japan. And I, was, I had already signed up to go on a year and a half program to Japan to the uh, Tokyo Institute of Technology. So I guess she didn't get back to Dana with that message. Well, so I, as the song goes, I washed that man right out of my hair and I sort of just said, well, you know what? It wasn't meant to be. Um, and then we saw each other um, once about six months after he disappeared 
um, he came back for the holidays and I was in town. So this, uh, this, the mutual friend, um, said, Hey, both of you, um, why don't we go out for dinner and go dancing afterwards? So we did. And so we saw each other. You think she was once. still trying to put us together? I think, uh-huh. I think so. So we, but we, so we danced, we had yeah. a, we had a fun evening and, yeah. and then we, uh, but I didn't feel any sparks or anything like that. And we didn't mention it. So then he went back to Japan. And then I moved back to America, yeah. And I was visiting friends at the media lab and uh, ran into Dana outside on the stairs, and uh, made a date to see a movie. And that's kind of how it started. But he didn't say, "Do you want to have a date to see a movie?" What did he, he just say? said, "Do you want to see a movie? We could go out for dinner or something like that." But I had no, I had had turned off any expectations of it, even because I thought I, I had. Absorbed the being rejected, perhaps a little too seriously. Um, and but I so honestly, what I said was, well, if I get to know him and his circle, maybe there'll be someone that's perfect for oh. me. So um, very sort of um, purposeful thinking. Okay, just get to know other gay people, and then you'll um, you'll I be think, exposed. I think what he's also saying is he was such a hard worker that. He was so devoted to his job as curator at the List Visual Arts Center that he really didn't uh, do a lot of dating. And then we went to this movie, and then as the the credits were rolling, he turned to me and he said, do you want to, so people who know Boston will know that it's the top of the Prudential Center, which has this fancy restaurant, and it's really, it's like if you're going there, it's a special evening, or like going out on a date. So I went, oh my gosh, this is a date he thinks this is a date (laughs) it's like that's great what was it that he said that made you well it was where he wanted to go oh so it's like a very special place got it um that has a beautiful view over the whole city and so um that's why i said oh this is just not not just to hang out but something more and then we were not dressed appropriately so we were denied entry so (laughs) Then we went from the top to the bottom. We went to the basement where there's no windows and sat for, I don't know, hours yeah. and talked. Wow. And about that our was, lives and about different things. And so, yeah. That was kind of our the beginning. What a great story. So, Mark, Dana says that when you danced that first time, uh, he didn't quite feel a spark. Did you and... Or did that come later for both of you? I think it came, it evolved and unfolded, mm-hmm. and it wasn't uh, somehow all planned out. In fact, that's that improv- improvisational aspect is something I think is that we still live today. Tell me more what, about that, what you mean. Well, that Well, we do have certain overarching ideas, including, I think, an abundance mentality, kind of thinking... Uh, positively about things rather than uh, scarcity Uh, and you kind of create or co-create a reality around you by living in a certain open abundant way and I think we do that but we don't necessarily know what's gonna happen next year we we don't we we just uh, improvise so you're in the basement and you're having this long talk for hours at what point did you know or did you suspect Oh, gosh, this really is a date, and I really want to see where this might go. I'd say Dana wanted to go full throttle, and I was always reining in a little bit. 
thinking, actually, I don't know if I've ever said this to you, but that in order to be sustainable, you have to kind of pace yourself. So we, we had a series of dates. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he, he, I understood from our friend and from, and also from him that he had been in a, um, in an unsuccessful relationship and didn't, wasn't ready to start up another one so quickly. Um, but I, I sort of remembered he drove me home and I leaned over and tried to kiss him and he practically jumped out of the I wasn't car ready. window. I wasn't, he wasn't ready. ready. And that was like, Oh, okay. Um, which was fine. So it's like, he said, take it slow. And that uh, was unlike a lot of other gay people I know, or gay men I know, I was, I'm more protective of my body and my boundaries and I'm slow to, to warm up to someone. And sure. that was the warm up phase. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so I, I was sensitive to the, the cues. <laughs> it almost was like to get to know each other as human beings. Um, and to, I mean, he has, uh, I think, an incredible um, grace and um, uh, sense of himself. And also a playfulness that, that sort of counters the seriousness. But Well, thank you. Anyway. That's a nice compliment. Yeah. So it took a while. It, like a snowball. Eventually, then I felt, oh, this is really, really good. And our, our, we had uh, other friends of mine would see me and said, you're smiling all the time. And I said, yeah, it's just, it feels so good to know him and to see, to spend time with him and what yeah. happened? So, so this is the MIT Media Lab, and it started getting known as the Love Lab because yeah. other there were other couples forming. Tell me a little bit about your coming out, Dana. You mentioned you had never been in a relationship with mm-hmm. another man. Mark, you were getting been. out of one. So, tell me a little bit about how your coming out is similar or different. He's a New Englander, basically. Yeah, and so his family were shied away from especially controversial, intense topics. Whereas my family, my mother's side is Italian, and I'd say everything got discussed, every little thing, everybody's opinion. We never held back. So there's quite a difference in family styles. So I came out at 17. At 17? Yeah. And tell tell him how. Yeah, I I (laughs) sat my parents down and just kind of When? uh, At Christmas. At Christmas. Yeah, it was, and my mother went up to her room, and we didn't see her for three days because she was so shaken by it. But I, as I said then, it was I wanted to share this as I was going through it with them because I wanted them to be part of my life completely, and I think they understood that. And it took ten years for them to really accept it, and then uh, when they met Dana, they fell in love with Dana. So that was that was great. But there weren't gay students alliances and high schools and I can't imagine that there was as much support as there is now. No, there wasn't. No, there wasn't. But I Middlebury though. Yeah, I went to Middlebury College. I was the gay the head of the gay student union then. But the uh but as a young uh elementary school kid I was teased a lot. And uh and I think I, I learned I developed bruises and calluses from that time and I stopped caring what other kids thought. So I think that actually served me very well and has served me very well. I've always felt that you had a nurturing group of people and uh, that it enabled you and empowered you to be um, openly gay. 
You know, I found that being vulnerable and open allows other people to protect you if they want to. And if they like you, they do. And so I think that's helped. That's, that's happened to me quite a lot. So I've never hidden who I am. Dana, was your command experience different? Yeah, quite different. I mean, when I hear what he did, I, I thought, how could you? Christmas, it's like, did he, he came back from freshman year and, and came and, and so that was a shock because I, I'm, I guess, a lot more sensitive to what's going on around me and maybe care more of he what has, other people He has people better think. judgment than I do well, in that way. Well, I mean, but yeah, so <clears throat> for me, um, I didn't really think about being, I knew I was a little different, and but I didn't, I didn't feel a particularly attracted to men or or other boys growing up um, and went off to college and had a relationship with a woman that was very strong um, that was in sophomore year. I went to Carleton College in Minnesota. Then I t um, took a, a year to, to live and work in New York um, to study in New York. And so just as I was getting there, and also at, the, at my college I was meeting um, gay men and also um, hanging out with a lot of lesbian women and so I had a comfort level and understanding about that and then it sort of dawned and I sort of considered myself a um, feminist and um, and then it sort of dawned on me maybe I'm bisexual which is which I thought that was a very cool thing politically correct etc and um, because I started when I was in New York seeing a, a much wider range of gay people um, than the stereotypes. And I think maybe that was one of the things that caused me to suppress my um, being gay is that all one saw was either a drag queen, effeminate types, or uh, there were these types, or um, macho um, men in leather. And that I didn't find, I did not, couldn't identify with that. And so whereas... In New York, in the art world, there's a whole much wider range of types of people, and so I realized my comfort level was, and was um, increased, and my curiosity was increased too. And then when I started walking down the street and sort of like having my head turned by someone who I was literally attracted to, physically, I said, "Hmm, there's something, there's something going on here." Over time, I realized that that was what I was, and. So I came back to college and c reconnected with this woman who I'd, we'd basically split up, but kept in touch. And, and I, I mean, I still feel um, deeply connected. I felt deeply connected to her. Um, and she was, I told her, and she was so supportive. It was amazing. It was kind of like, a, well, from my point of view, it was like a, she was a, a sister to me. Um, and then, and I thought, this is amazing. And she said, no, you've got to go for this. And, and then, and then it, I mean, then I saw what was changing. I mean, changing her is that there was a grief because I think that she thought that we would reconnect and be together and, and be, a, and we were a great couple together, but it, um, but it wasn't meant to be. Um, yeah. and we struggled with that coming, coming apart. And I'm thrilled to say that a about four years ago, we we had been writing back and forth Christmas cards every couple of years. But um, and then a couple of years ago, we got together um, by sort of coincidence at the Burning Man Festival, 
And so we Amazing. hung out there, and I met her new husband. She met Mark. We um, we had a lot of fun. So anyway, but this life moves in strange and interesting ways. So that so about coming out, I met Mark, and that and that gave me the courage, and also I guess the impetus or a concrete example of proof to myself but proof to them that this is what my life should be like and this is the direction it was going. I was just thinking that oh. the fact that we've been together this long is um, creates this wonderful long narrative which not everybody has so it's a self I'd say the more we're together the more we'll be together don't you think? Yeah yeah I hope so but yeah so I started coming out to I mean friends knew and then I called and told my sister um, and at, in preparation for um, telling my parents, but my sister said, "Phew, we thought you weren't interested in sex." And she said, oh. "This is this is really good." And she said, they "I think relieved. they'll understand." My sister, my, my sister said, "My parents would understand." And and then and that was good. So but I also felt, and maybe this is justification or something that I needed to be be in a relationship that I felt excited and secure about to tell them rather than just say I feel inside I'm gay. Mark, tell me a little bit about the milestones in your 30 years together. What are some of the highlights and low points? Hmm. I I can think of many highlights because we've had quite a lot of adventures and lived in different cities and we've met in Boston, moved to Tokyo, moved to Houston, then to Austin, and now to Grand Rapids, and uh, had a, I'd say we collect friends wherever we go and keep in touch, and uh, in fact, I'd say everywhere we used to live, we still, I feel, very strongly connected to, including Austin, where because of us, my family moved here, and they're still here. Oh. So now we're here for Thanksgiving, because we're all gathering at the plant at Kyle, which is a, a house that we own that is a Lake Flato, one of the first houses that this architecture firm built. And they just were uh, named the top architectural firm in the United States by the AIA's architect magazine just last week. So And they built the Austin Library. And they just built the Austin Library. Which, uh, have you been? It's, yes, absolutely. Amazing building. And I, I just was a few days ago with Ted Flato in Kyoto with his family. Uh, and what a, what a life that we have because we have all these wonderful friends and connections all over the world, which is partly why I created this t- tour company, Tiny World <coughs> Tours, so that we can share those, relation- those very interesting friendships and relationships with, with other people and cross-connect uh, a, a diverse range of communities, uh, communities of, of, of color, of, of different kinds of uh, interests, so science and art and, uh, and other social interests and people of various economic uh, capabilities and I'd say local, national, and international experiences. Well, no, you asked about um, milestones and I was thinking of, of pivot points. Um, the first, so sh- within six months after we started going out, he, um, since he had been in Japan and got to know a lot of people there, um, they started sending job offers for him. 
to work in te high tech in Japan. And he was very excited about going back. So he turned to me. We were driving in the in a car once, and he said, um, on a, a wonderful weekend trip to New England, we to, had been uh, together. Vermont. This was we had started to spend long weekends together, and um, he said. I've got this job offer. Would you ever consider moving to Japan? And I, so first of all, we had been going out for less than six months, I think. Then um, I loved my job. I had just been promoted. Um, and I said, I can't imagine doing that. And he's, he said, oh, that's okay. And maybe someday. That was a, a trick I learned from my mother. <laughs> just uh, to, it's kind of reverse psychology. Like, yeah. like uh, you make a big play, then you back off from it. So like oh that's right. So I thought that was great. Um, <laughs> and he, but he didn't. I mean I really well well it's and but I think he I I don't think I was being played as much as he he planted the seed and so it and helps if and you it, don't really care about the outcome. And he explained. He said you know this is what you could do or this was what you could do and so he yeah. he explained it and then um, it gelled a little bit and I started talking to some friends who knew us who knew both of us. And I said, I can't believe this, this idea. Um, I'm on the, then I, I sort of moved from no to being on the fence. And one friend of mine said, are you crazy? This is like a chance of the lifetime. It's like you, you're young. I mean, it was, I was 29, so I didn't feel young, but I was young. Um, I mean, and so they, they said, take a jump for it. And if it fails, fails. And I, so I'm generally a risk-averse person, and conservatively, um, my my father lost his job in when I was in sixth or seventh grade. It was the '70s and the recession, and really never got um, full-time work after that. So, and my parents got divorced shortly after that. So, I had as an adolescent seen struggle and the, um, the recession in the '70s. So. I have, so he talked earlier about abundance mentality and I have a built-in scarcity mentality and I have come to program myself to be thinking about abundance and think of, about possibilities rather than negativities. And so I s sort of and said to my, after all this encouragement from friends, I said, what the heck? Um, it's kind of, I won't, I didn't have a job there. I knew only two people. Um, when I went there, he went ahead of time six months and then, um, uh, I came later and I had never been to Japan before and I was moving there. Um, and it was a adventure. And I also realized, I mean, it's like, okay, if you're, it's kind of like, kind of like getting married. And so it was an experiment and it's taught me and other people, other friends have observed this is once you take a big risk and and do well or just f figure it out and maybe don't do well but you're more prone to um, look at the world with as op full of opportunities and so that's one of the things that we've both done and so we've kind of alternated where we live and taking a job to move to dis new discoveries taking turns with jobs it's yeah. been it's felt like a very equal relationship that you support each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I may support you today, mm -hmm. but a yeah. year or five mm -hmm. years from now, you'll support me. I mean, one of the struggles, I guess I would say, is when Mark uh, teamed up with two of his um, colleagues or co-graduate students to start a, a company here in Austin um, from scratch. 
Yeah, high-tech uh, company based on our research from the MIT Media Lab, Holographic Imaging. And that was an adventure. Yep, and that there was were three people, and they mm -hmm. had to sort of work together and find a place and buy the machinery and... Negotiate where we were going to start, what city we would be in. And we were living in Houston at the time, so I lobbied for Houston. And another lobbied for Boston, and another lobbied for San Diego. And we had a contract in our hands waiting to be acted on. So there was a, a clock ticking, and we had to decide within a few months. So we, we, uh, we all vetoed each other's first choices. We all allowed each other to do that. So we said we were going to throw out all those first first choices and what's next and Austin was on the table and we quickly converged on that and it worked out for the benefit all of all of us. Has there ever been a time in the 30 years that you thought I don't know this might not work? There's been times when I've been frustrated with my with my life and so it I, I hope it doesn't or I worry it surfaces in our relationship. So that's one thing. Another thing is when, as Mark was starting up this tour company, he has was gone for weeks on end, a cup or a couple times a year. And at first, that was um, destabilizing. I had to learn to be on my own again, like I was single, um, because. Um, I had gotten spoiled. I, I mean, it feels good to add, when you're a part of a couple. Your life is um, has certain rhythms to it and reassurances. And when he was in Bhutan or Nepal, and also when the out in the wilderness, they don't have cell phone um, or internet. So for sometimes days on ends, I wouldn't have any communication and not knowing. Um, how he was doing or have that daily contact. That was frustrating. Now I've gotten used to it and I sort of now have my own um, rhythms and patterns when he's gone and um, have also reached out to friends so that we do, I do different things when he's gone than when he's there. But so that, but I remember I was like thinking, well, I don't know if this, if his, his intense traveling is, is going to, if I'm going to make it through that or have, or, or be so happy about it. What are the skill sets that the two of you have together as a couple that have created this obvious resiliency to be together this long? I think we're both good at uh, empathizing and, uh, and, and, sh and taking turns and sharing. Mm -hmm. Although we do have, we, we make fun of each other's little foibles, I'd say. Like he likes What's foible? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't care how you stack the dishwasher. You know, he and matters a lot. <laughs> little things, little things that are maybe important. But what was it you were? But just we telling? give you, we give each other room. I would say it's like roll with it. And shortly after I we started going out, I realized this is how love works: is you give the person the support and. Also, um, don't let things get under your, don't let little things bother you. Um, and that you just, because the bigger, the relationship is the bigger picture. Um, and okay. is the most important thing to protect. And so don't, it's like, it's about, 
um, ego is the enemy, um, whereas the couple is stronger, two people are stronger than just one. So, I mean, so every once in a while, it's I've been lately meditating, and I realize sort of there are times when I've let something um, infest my head um, and get angry, but there's there's no reason for anger. I mean, you you I was creating the anger from within and and letting go, but well, I hope you tell me so that I know what's going well, on. Yeah, but yeah, there are things that you tell me that you're concerned about that I have, like like the dishwasher. That it's hard for me to get to feel that. Well, that's and important, I, but and I, I have always said if how he stacks the dishwasher is the worst thing in our marriage, then that's we're very lucky. That's nothing. Both of you concentrate a lot on perspective. Mm. Yeah, yeah, mm. I'm hearing that and. So we're up about out of time, but mm-hmm. we have a lot of young listeners and we have couples who maybe are just getting together, not been dating for very long. Is there anything else that you would like to impart as we sort of wrap things up today? I guess a couple of things. One is, is be a good listener and you Google good listening skills. I mean, there's a, a set of tools that pe- that we're not born with. We're usually not told, to, depending on how you grew up, you don't learn it necessarily as a kid, but there's things that you can do that are, that's essential. Um, and that, I guess that's what I would say. The other is, um, is a, a process that I learned from des- um, industrial designers um, that in Grand Rapids, there's a question, so whenever they're developing a product and that they want to make it better, they say, how might we do this? How might we do that? So I would say if you run into a, a wall and in a relationship or in a, with a, a dilemma, you think about what's the desired outcome and you say, how might we get there? And if you take it in small steps, then it's, it also it rejiggers your your. Um, literally your brain chemistry when you're open when you're opening it to options as opposed to closing it down i like to think of framing uh relationships and personal just relationship with yourself as a fractal uh, which have you heard of fractals Explain what a fractal is. so a fractal is for something that uh, that has the same shape or or similar shape uh, at various scales so i think you have to be comfortable and secure with yourself personally so you have to be yourself and be comfortable by yourself ultimately you're 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 you and then look at your relationships kind of in a circle around you as uh, your most intimate relationships with your with your parents your family and work on those and be uh, and then you can be if you're a good family member you can have a good uh, relationship with someone uh, like uh, like a spouse and then with your neighbors and with your community and with your region and your state and your country and internationally. So, and to have a presence and be consistent, be yourself at all those levels. That's, that's a nice thing to try to go for as a, to, to, as a goal. Mark, Dana, thank you so much for being here today and sharing your story. It was wonderful. Well, thank, thank you. you. Do you know any LGBT couples with interesting stories and wisdom to share on the show? 
Jeff would love to meet them, so please contact him through the website at qmarriagementors.com. Until next time, thanks for listening, and have a great week.